Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it Nobody's dancing. I, this music just makes me want to dance. <laughs> so awesome. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Everybody good? Awesome. You know, um, this morning I have the awesome privilege to share with you guys this morning. But I have to tell you, like um, Trey said earlier, it has been a week. Um, it has been an emotional roller coaster of a week. His, as many of you know, my mom is in the hospital with COVID and pneumonia. And um, it's just been up and down. Like one minute, she's great. She's doing well. And then the very next minute, you get a phone call and it's not so great. She's not doing well. And so, you know, just this morning, I won't go into all the details, but just this morning, I heard from her and she was like, I'm going home today. And I was just so excited. I was like, yes, right before I get up to speak, she's going home today. And then I got a call a few minutes later, uh, talk to the doctor, I'm not going home today. And I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> and um, so if y'all would just remember her in prayer, God is good, you guys, he is so, so good. Um, I know that he has her. Um, we're praying specifically about pneumonia. Um, she has COVID-related pneumonia and um, that her fever will come down. Um, they did have her on oxygen last night. They've taken her off this morning and um, they're, we're believing that she's going to do well without it. Amen. Amen. You know, I, um, I'm talking about evangelism this morning and that's sharing the gospel with non-believers. My mom is one of the greatest evangelists I have ever known. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. I was thinking about that this morning, and I thought, wow, you know, I can't go anywhere with that woman without her stopping and telling somebody about Jesus. It's kind of annoying, you know? Um, I want to be like her when I grow up. I really do. I, I do share the love of Jesus, let me just <laughs> say that I do, but like literally it's the most inconvenient times ever, and she gets into a long conversation with the perfect stranger, and I'm like, we got somewhere we got to go, you know, and yet I understand that there are lost souls out there in need of a Savior, and nobody understands that like my mama does, and so I'm, I'm very proud of her. In that regard, I'm, I'm proud because she taught me. She taught me to love Jesus. She taught me to share Jesus. You know, I, I have shared the love of Jesus ever since I was little. I have some really fun stories of sitting in the apple tree in Michigan leading a little Indian girl to Christ. Um, you know, my dad was military, so we were around a lot of military people. I also got to lead a little Filipino girl in her bedroom. We had to secretly do so because her parents would have been very angry with us. And so I slipped her a Bible, and she hid it in her room and um, led her to the Lord. And, you know, I have story after story after story of, of sharing the love of Christ. But this morning, I'm hoping to encourage us to be a little more aware, to slow down a bit, to, to really look around us and understand that time is short. We are just visitors here. This is not our home. And everyone that you come in contact with, it's not supposed to be their home either. And so we've, we've got to be about the Father's business, amen? So I, wanna, um, I want to 
also say it's never been easier to evangelize. It's something, it's a phrase we've been throwing around. I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. But I would love for you to get out your phone and share the stream on Facebook right now. Because that's just a super easy way to reach the loss for Christ. You don't know who's going to all of a sudden get on Facebook and see your post and desperately need hope. You just don't know. So I want to go ahead and dive into scripture this morning. Luke 10, 25 through 37. It's the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this incredible opportunity, God, that we have to be in your house, Lord. Father, I just pray that you would just speak to our hearts this morning, God, that you would encourage us, Father, that you would just instill such a power, such a hunger and desire to spread your word like never before, God. Father, to a lost and dying world, Lord, I just pray that even this week, Starting tomorrow, God, that you would give us opportunity, Lord, that we wouldn't oversee it, overlook it, that we would slow down, God, that we would recognize our assignment that you have given us. Use us mightily in your power, in Jesus' name, amen. So the first point this morning after reading about the Good Samaritan is that evangelism business doesn't work in busyness. I talked about that a little bit already. You know, many times it's inconvenient. It's going to cost you something. Maybe your time, your resources, your comfortability, your ego. <laughs> yeah, definitely your ego. I think we've all been guilty of, you know, sharing the gospel when it's convenient right? When you have time, when it, prevents it, when it presents itself, it seems easy. Um, you know, I feel like we slowed down a bit when COVID hit 
but we've since learned to uh, get busy again, even, even in our isolation. You know, we've, we've learned how to um, keep ourselves occupied again. And um, I just think that we need to slow down. We need to slow down a bit. I came across a story of a modern day Good Samaritan story. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was good though. Um, there was a man, this true story, his name was Hugo Yaks. And he was 31 years old, homeless man, um, in one of our major cities here in America. And he, he would work during the day. He was like a day laborer. He slept in the parks. And he uh, was stabbed and um, collapsed on the sidewalk. And people were passing by him. And this business had a video camera that was catching all of it. And as people passed by, they would glance at him and they would keep walking. And specifically, one man knelt down to shake him because he thought, you know, possibly he was drunk, he had passed out or whatever. And he, he knelt down to shake him and then noticed the blood underneath and then he just walked away. And a couple of other guys came by and one, one took a picture and, you know, they, they walked on by this man on this busy sidewalk in this city. And the sad thing is, is that he laid there for a whole hour before any help came, before anyone called for help for this man, and he died. And um, I thought, what, you know, what, what in the world? When I read this story, and there was all these opinions as to why that happened and, you know, all of that. But um, one of them that stood out to me was John Darley, a professor of psychology at Princeton University. Um, he's written about the bystander response. And he said, I'm afraid what we've got here is a situation of people failing to help, and the failure appears to be a moral failure. He did what you're supposed to do, and we let the person who did what he was supposed to do die. And I thought, dear God, you know, have we really come that far with um, minding our own business, you know? We've gotten so good about minding our own business. I don't want to get involved in that. That looks dangerous. I don't want to interfere there. I'll be overstepping my bounds. You know, as believers, we're called to mind other people's business. And so we've got to really change that mindset. Um, Trey and I have had conversations on this very thing over the past year, I think more than ever, about what that looks like. You know, how do you... How do you evangelize in this season? How do you reach out to your neighbor? I think the church is good about taking care of the church. I think we're really good at that. Why? Because we are familiar with each other. We love each other. We know each other. But we're called to the lost, the ones that we don't know, the ones that are uncomfortable to be around, the ones that um, don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't act like us, don't behave like us. Those are the ones we're called to. And so that leads me to who is my neighbor? You know, when I first heard the story of the Good Samaritan as a child, I remember feeling convicted because when they were talking about neighbor, to me, the definition of a neighbor was the person that lived right next door or right in front of me across the street. And at that time, I didn't know them. I was just a kid, and I didn't know who my neighbors were. And I thought, oh, dear God, I've really dropped the ball on this one because I don't even know their names, you know. Um, in the Good Samaritan story, the man that was dying 
on the road that had been beaten by the robbers, he was a Jew. Samaritans were despised enemies of the Jews. So the Samaritan man that stopped to help him, not the priest, not the Levite, the Samaritan man that stopped to help him was a despised enemy of the Jew. And they weren't just outcasts. They were despised. You know, your neighbor isn't the ones that you are on good terms with, the ones that you love and that you like and that are familiar, that look like you, act like you. It's the person who crashed into the back of your car last week. It's the person who lives next door giving you dirty looks every time you wave and they don't wave back. True story has happened. Uh, Your neighbor is that difficult family member that you struggle to spend time with. Your neighbor is the homeless man lying on the street. Your neighbor is the grouchy checkout clerk. How is God leading you to reach out to him or her? You know, when when we truly slow down, we can ask the Lord, not who is my neighbor, but who is my neighbor today? Who are you leading me to today? You know, the lawyer in the Good Samaritan story wasn't asking who his neighbor was because he sincerely wanted to know. He was trying to justify his actions. He wanted to hear that he had done all the other things. Let let me make sure I got this one that I can check off my list, that I've met some kind of quota because I want to make sure I'm getting to heaven. And he wasn't asking the question with the right motivation. He wanted to know how far he had to go, not how far he could go. He wanted to hear he had arrived. You know, I I haven't always got this right. I'm sure none of us have, right? Um, I haven't always gone when I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do this, say that, go there, do that. In fact, um, I've asked questions similar to the lawyer in those situations, just in different words. Like, um, I've even tried to make deals with God. Okay, you want me to talk to her? Well, she's real busy right now. She's working, you know. Um, You're going to have to get her alone. She's with a lot of people, and I'm not about to go, you know, make a display of myself in front of all of them. So get her off to the side, and then I'll talk to her, Jesus. You know, am I the only one that makes those kind, tries to make those kind of deals? I mean, I just, I just have. I'm being honest. I, um, I've, I've also said things like, um, I would love to do that, but I have this other assignment you gave me that I need to do today. Don't have time, you know? Um, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, usually in Scripture, when you find the word ambition, it's always preceded by the word selfish. Isn't that interesting? Selfish ambition is thinking you and your needs are more important than others and their needs. You know, I, I feel so strongly that we have to work on whatever is getting in the way of sharing the gospel. If you have fear of man, let it go. You know, I've heard people before, I've heard a pastor before say, well, I just don't like people. I, I get it. 
sometimes I don't like people. Sometimes I don't like me. You know, I don't even want to hang out with me sometimes. But we're called to love each other. It, it says in Scripture, if we want eternal life, we love God. A lot of us can check that off. We've got that down pretty good. But when we truly love God, we love others. Evangelism has never been easier. Um, you know, some of the kindest, nicest people don't have boundaries, and they are lost unbelievers like the despised Samaritan. Have you ever thought about that? Like some of the kindest, nicest people are unbelievers. And it should be the opposite. It should be us. You know, we have to work on those boundaries. We have to, and I'm not talking about the mask as a boundary that's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about real boundaries of um, fear of people. Boundaries like, um, God, if I pray for them, I might, get, I might get sick. Boundaries of um, offense. Offense is a really big one right now, right? Um, I love, there's um, this, think I read about Smith Wigglesworth recently that I thought was so good, and I'm trying to find it right now. <laughs> Where did it go? Jeez. Jesus, Jesus, help me. Um, Smith Wigglesworth, here he is. You know, it was said in the book, God's Generals, that Smith Wigglesworth walked in extreme authority of the Spirit. He married faith with compassion, and the result was miracles. So what robs us from seeing the miraculous present day? It's biblical illiteracy and offense. We have no compassion because we're perpetually offended. That's why I even brought up the mask as a boundary, right? We find so many things to be offended by today. So many things. Whether you agree with wearing the mask or not wearing the mask, we, we find so many things to be offended and we're constantly walking around in offense. How can we lead people to Christ when we're offended? You just can't do it. We have to let go of these things. We have to stop trying to protect ourselves. You know, um, I, I read something else the other day that said that you can't love without suffering. There's going to be some kind of suffering in your relationships when you truly love. And I thought, that's so true, but we don't talk about that, you know? We look for the easy way out all the time. We look for what makes us comfortable. We try to protect our security, and love is not like that. It's free. It's completely freely given, no strings attached. Evangelism has never been easier. People are online more than ever. You know, um, we have to find ways to take church to where they are today, because it is a little bit different, right? It is a little bit different. Um, you can share the gospel in your Facebook posts. Come on, share the gospel in your Facebook posts instead of sharing your opinions and your offenses. Let's share the gospel in our Facebook posts, right? Offer to pray for unbelievers that are afraid and hurting. Ask the Holy Spirit. Here's a good one. Ask the Holy Spirit what to do in each situation. He will guide you. Sometimes we just don't know. 
We just don't know. I love, there's a story about this um, pastor in Mozambique. Actually, he was saved under Heidi Baker's um, ministry, and he only knew John 3.16, and he went around Africa starting churches on only John 3.16. So, yeah, it's important, especially in America, that we know the Bible, right, because we're all so smart. We have so much knowledge. It's important that we know the Bible because if not, <laughs> we are going to get stepped on a little bit, but that should not prevent you from spe- spreading the gospel. If you have a testimony and God has saved and transformed and changed your life, that is all you need to share. That's it. Evangelism requires risk is my next point this morning. Risk is an action that exposes you to the possibility of injury or loss. It can be big or small. And the good news is, guys, that God doesn't take risks. He's all-knowing. He knows the future. We're the ones that are called to take risks. The power of our being able to take a risk is because God knows what's coming. Yep. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. When you accepted Jesus into your heart and life, the Holy Spirit inside of you, he knows all. He is all that you need. You know, you're going to be persecuted for the very gospel itself. I talked to someone just the other day. Um, Sometimes we have clashes with people, right? And we're thinking it's us. It's not you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's the principalities and powers. It's a spiritual thing. When you have a clash with someone and it doesn't make any sense, you've been nothing but nice to them. Now, if you're stirring up trouble, that's on you. I'm just saying, <laughs> don't go blaming the devil when you're the one causing it. We, we've done that, right? <laughs> I'm serious. A lot of times, though, when, when we have those tensions that we feel and we're like, where is this coming from? You need to pray. You need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, how can I reach that one? How can I love them? How can I win them over? And God will use that in your life. My kids, so many opportunities in life where they, they dealt with difficult people. So many. Um, unusually difficult people. And, you know, we never said, get them out of your life. Turn your back on them. Get a new teacher. Report them. We said, okay, let's ask the Holy Spirit how we can win them over for Christ. And we prayed with them, and we said, let's pray for that person. And, and sometimes it's hard because people hurt people. But that's where you, you just have to not take everything so personally all the time as a believer. We have to recognize that we're carrying the Holy Spirit inside of us, and that's at war with the world. It's already automatically at war with the world. And so we've got to remember who we are and go, "Mm, it's not about me. 
It's about who lives inside of me. You know, Jesus said, when they reject you, they reject me. He didn't say when people reject you, it's about you. He said when they reject you, they reject me. We have to remember that. We're going to be persecuted. Luke 10, 16, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. When we are rejected for the gospel's sake, it's for the gospel's sake. It's not personal. I, one of my most favorite stories in the Bible is the, um, about the demonized man where Jesus was coming through the town and there was a man there that had been tormented for years in the town. They had tried to bind him and control him and he always broke the chains and he was just um, very demonized. Um, so much so that when Jesus asked what his name was, they, he said Legion. So he had a lot of demons. You know, I've, I've met some people with one, but can you, can you imagine someone with a lot? Um, he, was, he was a mess. And Jesus came through the town, and he, um, he healed the man. He cast out the demons. But the interesting thing is that town had gotten really comfortable with him. They were used to the demons. So when Jesus healed him, they rejected him. They told Jesus to leave the town. They said, you're not welcome here. We have to not get so accustomed to the world that we're used to the demons. We're, we're called to cast them out. We're called to change the world. Jesus didn't care if he offended anyone. We're so afraid that we're going to hurt someone's feelings or someone's going to be upset with us because we're going to come across too pushy with the gospel. Or we're going to interrupt someone's day by sharing about Jesus. You're offering them eternal life. It's never an interruption. It's never a concern for time. It's eternal life. It's their salvation on the line. And if they reject you, guess what? It's just not their time yet. And it has nothing to do with you and I. We've got to become more bold and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us in those situations. You know, the Bible is full of examples of those who took risks. You know, before I move on, though, that demonized man got set free. Jesus went and got in the boat, and he ran after Jesus and said, please, can I come follow you? And Jesus said, no, you can't come follow me. You know why? Because he had a work to do. Jesus said, you go back to your home, to your town, to your family, to your friends, and you tell them what was done for you. You tell them. And Jesus had been rejected. He said, you tell them the good news. And you know what? You read further on in scripture, that whole region was transformed for Christ. That whole entire region. We have a work to do, church. We have a whole city, a whole nation, a whole world that needs Jesus. The Bible's full of examples of those who took risks, battles fought that they went into not knowing if God was going to come through or not. The lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down to the idol. They said, I'm going to follow Jesus and Jesus only. 
thrown into a fire, not knowing if Jesus was going to come through. Talk about a risk. Five times, Paul. I think Paul is the king of risks in the Bible. Five different times he was beaten, 39 lashes on his back. Five different times. He also was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. You name it, Paul experienced it. But he never stopped spreading the gospel. He never said it's too high of a cost. He never said, I'm too afraid of people or I'm going to get my feelings hurt when they reject me. He pushed forward and he said, this is my purpose and this is what I'm called to do. Esther risked her very life to save her people. One of my favorite stories um, about evangelizing is when um, Cheryl, Cheryl Biggs, um, she's on vacation this week, but we were in College Station together in ministry, and Trey was the youth pastor there, and her and I, well, mostly I, decided we were going to take the church van that was just sitting there, and we were going to go out to the projects and pick up kids to go to church. And so <laughs> I talked her into driving the van at least, and um, we went to these apartment complexes and um, rolled down the window. There was some some guys that were playing basketball and these were big looking guys and we rolled down the window and we were like hey and they look and said you want to come to church and they came walking over to the van they're like what and I said we have a meal that we provide we have basket you can play basketball outside the church we have a lot of basketball hoops out there and they were like really we were like yeah and they were like okay and um they got in the van and y'all the the church van didn't even have a church sign on it like we could have been kidnapping them I mean, it would have been really strange. It would have been really, really strange because, so, so let me just tell you, these were Louisianers that had been transplanted because of the hurricane to Bryan, um, Texas. And I don't know what you call them. What do you, Cajuns? I don't know. But they had this thick, thick Creole Louisiana accent, and I could hardly understand them. And they looked kind of scary. I'm not going to lie. Um, especially the older one, he, um, had muscles everywhere and he had dreadlocks down to here. And then when he talked in that thick Creole Louisiana accent, and I didn't know what he was saying, he'd get mad at me, like furious, like I was an idiot. And I would just be like, I'm, I'm sorry, you're just talking so fast. I don't know what you're saying. And so he would say it again. And then he would just be like, Tch you know, just annoyed with me, but I just kept loving him to Jesus because Jesus just gave me such a compassion for, for these boys. It was just a bunch of boys. And so we took him to church and, um, it was, it was, it was a bit of a risk because all the way there, they had filthy mouths. Like they were just, they were not your typical churchgoers and I'm bringing them all, you know, and, and to be honest, you know, I had to, I had to really do some persuading of the volunteers that were there because they were having to deal with a lot of the trouble that was going on. There would be fights on the basketball court, you know, somebody get mad and bow up. And I mean, you didn't know if a gun was going to come out. I'm telling you guys, these guys were rough. It was a bus full of them and it got bigger every time I went to pick them up. And it was just me and Cheryl. And, um, and Cheryl just be like, I can't believe you got me doing this. Like she would just be like so upset. And, um, so anyway, um, long story short, I found out that Kevin Ronald, can't 
really tell you what his real name is because every time I asked him, he gave me a different name, which really annoyed me. And um, I found out that he was 19. Oops. He wasn't really supposed to be there. He had aged out of youth. And he was a major drug dealer in town. And uh, the more I got to know him, the more nervous I got. And, uh, you know, so many stories. We did have a drug deal go down that Michaela witnessed with me, and I tried to get involved, and that was not good. And um, there was just so many stories that happened, but this one particular one, God gave me such a love for Kevin Ronald, whatever his name is. He um, gave me such a love for him that I told Trey, I said, he's not supposed to be here. He's supposed to be a youth leader. He is not leader material. He's a drug dealer in town, you know, but he's lost. He's lost. He doesn't know Jesus. He needs to be here, Trey. And so we just let him come. We didn't tell nobody. Well, as long as I was on the bus, y'all, because I had a rapport with all these guys, um, everything was fine. But this one Wednesday night, I was speaking, so I wasn't on the bus. And there was this really sweet, sweet, timid volunteer on the bus. And I got a call after service that Ronald Kevin had beat a visitor boy cowboy. So you picture Ronald, he's African-American, drug dealer, big, huge. And then you've got this cowboy with boots, shorts, just very hick. They didn't get along on the bus. And he beat him in the, in the face. Kevin Ronald beat him in the face. Well, my heart just sank because I had had so many breakthroughs with Kevin Ronald and these boys. And I thought, oh dear God, it's all over. Oh, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. He's not even supposed to be here. You know, these are the thoughts that are going through my head. And I was like, oh, dear God, thank God the timid volunteer, when the bus driver got off the bus to try to help with the situation, she went up and took the keys because Ronald Kevin tried to take the bus, guys. He tried to, he tried to take the bus of all the kids. It was, <laughs> it couldn't be any worse, right? And so anyway, he was suspended and my heart was just broken because you know, all of the breakthroughs that we had had and um, what God was doing in, in all of their lives. And we met with our pastor. I cried that night because I thought, wow, they're so lost and Jesus loves them so much. He loves them so much. And it's probably over. And, you know, we met with our pastor and we explained he's, he's really not supposed to be here. We don't know if the parents of this new kid are going to call or what's going to happen. And, you know, my pastor looked at me and he said, ministry is messy. And I was just so shocked by his answer. And he said, Carrie, ministry is messy. When you're spreading the gospel, it's not always black and white and perfect and, you know, turns out the way you want it to but you just got to keep doing what God has called you to do. And it all worked itself out. You know, Kevin Ronald ended up coming back. He, he, I, he tried to come back before he was supposed to, and I had to literally stand up to him on the bus and tell him he wasn't going to church. That was fun. That was really fun. But, but I will tell you guys that evangelism requires some risk. You might get your feelings hurt. You might be rejected. You might be called some names. You know, missionaries in, in other countries, they get beaten. Some of them lose their lives. 
But as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you. And it's not a matter of getting more of him. It's not a matter of being more equipped or understanding the Bible better. We don't have to get more of the Holy Spirit to be effective. The question is not how to get more of the Holy Spirit. It's how to get the Holy Spirit more of me. And God blesses ambition and evangelism. You know, I said earlier, almost every scripture on ambition has selfish in, in front of it. Romans 15, 20 says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. God blesses ambition in evangelism. So this week, we have to slow our role, as Trey said to me this week, we have to slow our role can't get too busy. We have to know who our neighbor is and take a risk. Let me pray for you. Here or watching online, and there is someone that comes to mind immediately um, that desperately needs the gospel, not, not just here, but here. And you can think of their name, Please stand to your feet. Please stand to your feet. And if there's not someone that immediately comes to your mind, you need to enlarge your circle. You need to enlarge your circle. We can't change the world if we're not touching the world. Now, everyone that's standing and you have someone in mind that desperately needs a miracle from the Lord, here's a word from the Lord to you. You are that miracle. We need to stop praying for it to be delivered by boat, by ship, by helicopter, and understand that we are the miracle that God has positioned in their life. If we'll just touch the people that God has placed around us, the whole world can be touched. So while you're standing, Carrie, I want you to pray a prayer over them, everyone that's standing in the room and online. Just release boldness, courage, that, that divine opportunity and moment, that window of opportunity. Will you pray over us? Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord. We just thank you, you, God, that you love your people so much, Father, and that you provide opportunity. God, I just ask that you would enlarge our territory. Yes, God. Enlarge our territory, God, starting this very day. The people that we come in contact with, Lord, Give us a word for them, a word of encouragement. Thank you, Jesus. Make us bold, Father, in this hour like never before, Jesus. God, I know that as we um, as we awaken our hunger for the lost, our love for you deepens. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just love on your church this week. Show them those that you want them to uh, just bring the love of Jesus to you. Father. We just pray for boldness over yes. all of us, God. We just Jesus. ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would just right now just sweep over this place with yes, boldness. Father, you, that the Holy Spirit would begin to rise up inside of us like yes. never before, God. Father, the time is short, Lord. Just show us the time is short. And God, we just pray, you, Father, Jesus. that you would just use us mightily, God. Reveal your purpose to us again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a hand clap?